Well, today we come to meditate on the latter half of Psalm 37. Last month we were considering the first 24 verses, and now we'll consider verses 25 through 40. So if you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to open up to Psalm 37. We'll be picking up at verse 25. And last time we noted that David is the author of the psalm. He offered counsel in his old age concerning the fact that the wicked sometimes seem to prosper. And this can seem to be discouraging to the righteous, especially when we have hardships in our lives. So in this wisdom psalm, he shows that the end of the wicked is destruction, but the saints of the Lord will inherit the earth. In verses 1 and 2, we saw last time he introduced the theme of the psalm, Fret not yourself because of evildoers, be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Verses 3 through 11 then extolled the blessings of saving faith and confidence in the Lord, and that uh, the Lord will give the earth to his faithful whom he will preserve. And then verses 12 through 24 contrasted the behavior and the coming destruction of the wicked on the one hand with the behavior and the coming blessings of the righteous on the other. So today we'll see in verses 25 and 26 uh, David's personal observation of the Lord's care for the righteous. And then in verses 27 through 34 uh, we'll hear his counsel as he contrasts the wicked with the righteous. And then finally, in verses 35 through 40, we'll see the contrast of the fates of those two different groups, those who are counted righteous in God and those who are not. So, uh, first in verses 25 and 26, David's personal observation concerning the Lord's care for the righteous, as the English Standard Version translates it, starting verse 25, I have been young, and now am old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, or his children begging for bread. He is ever lending generously, and his children become a blessing. Some people think, if I tithe, and if I'm generous to the poor, as the Bible encourages, uh, I'll go broke. Let the rich pay for all of these things. And of course, when most people say, let the rich pay for that. They mean somebody who's richer than I am. <laughs> and and it's, uh, we all, it's funny how we always seem to think that. There was a, a well-known politician in our day who uh, has been known for his socialism, and, and he used to complain about the millionaires and the billionaires all the time in all of his speeches. And then it was discovered that he is a millionaire, so now he just complains about the billionaires. <laughs> so... <clears throat> David says, some wicked men may have more earthly goods than the righteous. But I've never seen a man who handles his money and earthly goods biblically going hungry or his children having to beg in the streets. The Lord has provided for them. That's not to say that the righteous never have financial difficulties. It's just David's general observation from his lifetime that faithful stewardship has never hurt anyone. So in verses 27 through 34, and I should maybe step back before I move on and note, nor does he say, 
if you're faithful to tithe, God will give you a whole bunch more money. Uh, it's, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme or anything like that. But he does say the Lord has seemed to care for the righteous. And so then in verses 27 through 34, he counsels that we turn from evil and do good. Because it's better to have little and be righteous than it is to have much in terms of earthly goods and be evil because the destiny, as we'll see here in this psalm, of the wicked is quite different than that of the righteous and you don't want that destiny. He illustrates the wisdom of uh, of turning from evil and doing good by contrasting the characteristics of a righteous person against those of a wicked one, starting in verse 27. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. I might even stop there and just note that's, that's the key there, forever. It's, our troubles in this life are temporary, but there is a, a dwelling place forever for those who are righteous by God's grace. So turn from evil and do good. Something that, by the way, we know we can only do by God's Holy Spirit working within us. So that would be evidence that we are regenerate and going to receive the new heavens and new earth. Turn away from evil and do good, so shall you dwell forever. For the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell upon it forever. Again, the secondary theme of the psalm, the, the Lord's saints will inherit the earth. That That's who inherits the earth, not the wicked. He goes on, starting at verse 30, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of his God is in his heart, his steps do not slip. How can you know the difference between a righteous man and the wicked? Well, who utters wisdom? Wisdom according to God's word. Whose tongue speaks justice? Who has the law of God on his heart? Remember, Jesus says it's out of our heart that precedes the fruits. You can tell by people's words and deeds what's in their heart. Where we set our heart, that's where our treasure is. He says, so lay up treasures in heaven. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Then contrasting verse 32, starting there. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power, nor let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. It's an interesting thing to think of that, because when we look at what happens to Jesus, what happens to Jesus? Well, they sought to put him to death, and he was abandoned. He was condemned when he was brought to trial, though the Lord later vindicated him, but that was on our behalf voluntarily. It's a delightful and sobering truth that this is true of you and me, what David just said there, because Christ was treated as if he were a wicked man. He was brought to trial unjustly. He was forsaken by God. So we cannot be accused now by Satan and will never be forsaken. So David advises... Verse 34, wait for the Lord and keep his way, and he will exalt you to inherit the land. You will look on when the wicked are cut off. The righteous will look on when the wicked are cut off. And of course, there's uh, an eschatological promise there. There's an end time promise for that as well. Uh, Not just in the here and now, 
but certainly in the world to come, uh, we will see the wicked cut off, but we will inherit, if we are in Christ, the earth. That assurance transitions into the final portion of the psalm, which contrasts the fate of the wicked with that of the righteous. And starting at verse 35, I have seen the wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree. The image there of someone spreading out and just taking as much as they can under their, their, uh, under their uh, power. I've seen the wicked, ruthless man spreading himself like a green laurel tree, but he passed away. And behold, he was no more. Though I sought him, he could not be found. The wicked will be cast away forever from the Lord's glorious presence, ultimately. We will, if we're in heaven, if we're in the new heavens and new earth with Christ, we'll, we can look for the wicked and we won't find them. They won't be there. So David points out, verse 37, Mark the blameless and behold the upright, for there is a future for the man of peace. We look to those who, or those who speak peace, those particularly who are doing the ministry of reconciliation, that is the reconciliation between holy God and sinful mankind as we preach the gospel, as we labor to be blameless and upright by God's grace working within us, that's what distinguishes the righteous from the wicked. By contrast, in verse 38, but transgressors shall be altogether destroyed, the future of the wicked shall be cut off. There's a something that is attractive to our sinful flesh about all of the pleasures of the world that people seek with no thinking there are no consequences for them when they seek sinful pleasures. But we know in the end transgressors shall be utterly destroyed. The future of the wicked shall be cut off. There is no future but God's wrath for those who live for their own pleasure. But David concludes with a reminder that salvation is of God's grace. It's his work, not ours. We're we are not the ones accomplishing it. If we were to take some of these statements out of context, we might think, okay, what, what David's saying is I should just look at a list of rules, and if I can follow those rules, I'll be fine. But no, it's God's grace. We can't even do those works which he prepared for us beforehand, as Paul says in Ephesians 2, unless God's grace is working within us, even giving us the faith that we have whereby we cling to Christ. In verses 39 and 40 here, he says, The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their stronghold in the time of trouble. So God is the one who initiates this. God is the one who saves. God is the one who protects his people. Verse 40, The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Let us all take refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do, we know that there is nothing that the wicked world can do to us that we need to fear. Uh, this uh, We may be, as we've noted quite a lot lately, as we see things happening in other Western nations, especially that are oppressing Christians more and more, we may be coming into a time in which the church is more uh, openly persecuted in the West. Certainly our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are very openly persecuted uh, by governments. But... The worst they can do to us is hasten us to a crown of glory. The Lord will preserve his people in the end. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. So let's sing praise 
to God. We'll sing the last selection from this psalm. We sing Psalm 37, Selection F. Why don't we stand together? We'll sing praise and close this afternoon's service.